You drink coffee? Yes, Jonathan? Yeah, of course. Who doesn't? Jonathan fucked to drink coffee. Yeah. Pff, fucking weirdos, am I right? <laughs> yeah. So what do you... Are you... What do, what do you have? Do you have a coffee maker? Do you have a, a cafeteria thing? Yeah. What, how do you make coffee? Then? I use the cafeteria, brother. Cafeteria. Cafeteria. You, mm-hmm. you got the ground coffee. Beer. Yeah, the ground coffee. Taylor's. Number three. Taylor's of Harrogate. It's good stuff. Now, so you make the coffee and then do you put milk in after? Yeah. Oat milk after inside of the cafeteria and mix it all together no no i don't no no i i pour i was gonna say a little bit of oat milk into my cup uh after i've poured right. the coffee and it into do- it doesn't make it cold or anything no it's yeah it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make it cold though okay. yeah i keep it on the radiator so it you know separate mm-hmm. and right. but the way i do it mm-hmm. i have an espresso machine no, I'm a oh. pod guy. Yeah. Podcasts, pod coffee, my life. I'm a pod mm-hmm. guy. And so the way I got to do it is, because, you know, you just, you put the pod in, you press the button, and it gives you, like, either a single or a double shot. Yeah. And then you can't just put the milk in, cold milk on top of that, because it's not, it's, it's too cold and it's weird. You get a weird lukewarm, lukewarm mix of coffee. Mm-hmm. But what you got to do is, I know it's super interesting for people, <laughs> but you got fill. You got to get a mug like this uh, brand spanking new Prince Charles cinnamon mug available from the web store. Yeah, PCCWebStore.com. You get one of these. You get some. I you know I'm I I want an oat milk enthusiast, and now I've switched to soya milk. Ooh, cardboard for the time being. No, I get <laughs> cardboard. It's yeah. sweet. I like it. And I don't take any sugar in it, so it gives me that sort of rush. Shake the shit out of it, right? Ooh, yeah, always got to shake. Just like violently. I'd like always shake everything in life. That's just a good rule of thumb. Just, you know, if someone hands you a baby, just shake it. <laughs> you know, it could then it will stop crying. When the Beatles were singing Shake It Up Baby Now, they were saying Shaking Up Babies Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off. What do you think that's about? Yeah. I mean, about, people uh, weren't angry yeah. at the Beatles for saying they were more popular than Jesus. They were angry at the Beatles for shaking all the babies that they saw when they were <laughs> greeted at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Shaking babies and kissing hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you shake up the milk. Mm-hmm. Shake it like a Polaroid, which you also don't, shouldn't shake. Um, you fill it up about halfway, maybe a third, depending on how milky you like it. And then you heat it in the microwave Ooh. for like 45 seconds to a minute, depending on how much milk you have. Now, the danger of that, I only had a little milk left. And weirdly enough, the less milk you use, the more chance of it exploding. And <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make a noise or anything. I just, I came back after it beeped and it was milk had gone up everywhere, covered the microwave all around the mug. So that's why I'm late to the podcast. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, see, I don't use a microwave. And then you put the coffee in. But I think... And then you stir it. This could be the beginning of something beautiful that a young eight-year-old could learn by listening to this podcast. 
to trick uh, a baddie with and give them some exploding coffee. I think you're right. Oh, welcome to the Bob Charles Cinecast! Presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I am here with my wet bandit boy. <laughs> hey, that's where the sticky bandit. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, going on, Phil? How you doing today, hey, brother? I'm not, I'm not drinking I'm, coffee. I'm all right. You're not, um, what are you drinking? You got a brewski? Oh, is that why you've been holding that? Ugh. Yes, Holy this is why shit. I was playing with this the entire time we were recording two breadcrumbs episodes out in the next <laughs> two weeks over at Breadcrumbs Pod. Uh, search it everywhere you find your uh, podcast. It'll be there. Breadcrumbs. It's our new thing. Me and Phil. It's the stupid I, things that we talk about when we should be recording this podcast. To be honest, Phil's coffee story would have been like a whole episode. That's how awesome breadcrumbs is. So exactly, that's what that's what I'm here for. But were are you, you getting, okay? Are you f- looking for Stevie? No, I dropped the bottle cap. <laughs> Steve's over here sleeping on the bed. Um, oh, good old Stevie. Sleeping on my clean clothes, oh Steve. <laughs> oh. She is. You just happy. woken him up and he pissed. She's not happy. She's not happy. You've like dragged her into an episode with Donald Trump, and she's like, "What the fuck?" I, I, ah, man, I don't even know what's going on this week. Uh, we're in a weird time, obviously, where <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, man. By the time this episode goes out, and two days later, we could uh, be sitting in uh, some unfortunate times of. Yeah, London. might have to record a special intro. <laughs> Moving into tier three. <laughs> <laughs> so. Three, <anyway>. two, one. <laughs> one, two, three. <laughs> what tear is bothering me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode, I just kind of want to catch up with Phil because he's been back at work. Last week we had future Phil, Phil of the future come in, and uh, he didn't really seem to know. Phil! Phil! <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really seem to know of anything that was actually going on, but this Phil, uh, he's been there, and we're going to go to the I've past now. Gone. Phil of the past, and uh, he'll Act tell us past. what actually happened uh, at the cinema, what it's been like, and what he's been up to because our little wet bandit boy has uh, become a little boss boy uh, over at the cinema, apparently. So what's been going on, Phil? How's it been? Our yeah, okay. I, I'm, I'm a little, uh, I went from, I'm, I'm a little boss boy now. I'm yeah. moving up the ranks at work and also had a mental breakdown this week. I don't know if there's any correlation, but <laughs> it happened. It reminded me of something that happened on Friday. Uh, a woman, I was working uh kiosk and a woman came in and she was like, what are you showing? And I was like pointing up to the screen and saying all the films we're showing and she's like oh is this what you're showing like all week then I was like this is what we're showing all month like it's, a, it's an odd December program these are the films we're showing in December and she's like what's special about these movies <laughs> and I was just like die hard wonderful life Muppet Christmas Cow Elf and I was like they're all Christmas movies yeah. and she's like oh okay so it's just Christmas film and I was like yeah it's Christmas 
And then I told her how much it was, and she was like, oh, I'd rather just go have a drink somewhere. I was like, cool. you're the problem with London. This is why we're going into tier three. And I yelled at her and kicked her out of the building because that's what I can do now and manager. Ooh. No, well, that's not what happened. You did not do that. Ooh. I'm sure you didn't do that. But congratulations, Phil. Congratulations on Thank your you. boss boy status. Uh, yes, Phil boss boy. gets to train to be a duty manager at the Prince Royal Cinema, which is a fun job because you get to DM. You get to hang out in the office, look at all the screens, and uh, you know, make sure people I love are screens. doing stuff and handling stuff when things go wrong. And you know, it's good. It's fun. <laughs> that's the hardest. That's the hardest bit. It's staying on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats, though. That's it's really fun. Cool, man. It's fun. I'm, Proud of you. I'm. Thank you. Thank you. I'm training, and like you said, it's going to be f- just fun stories for the podcast. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you used to DM. I yeah. remember when you were DM. It's weird to think of you as a DM now because it was yeah. You quickly stopped doing that and focused more. You are still yeah. focused more on the online side of things, and now the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, you did the occasional all nighter. Yeah, but I remember uh, we had a few all night together, and there was always a point maybe five in the morning where you'd stroll on over to me and we you, you'd start talking about something really heavy like gun control in America. <laughs> and, I'd, and, I'd, and I'd be like, I'm, I, I'd like, I really want to talk to you about this, but I don't have the mental facility yeah. to do that. <laughs> I don't know how you're still functioning this highly. Um, but yeah, okay. You used to DM. <laughs> and I've, you know what? There's stuff that you've, could you also train me? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I think so. And so there's stuff, there's stuff you told me that still sticks with me. I still think about. You've given me like really good things for fun house. But for DM, you got any advice? You got any sage like advice? Sage like advice. I mean, I just don't try to like. I don't I, try hard. I, I, no, <laughs> I don't try to be Mister <laughs> Bossy Pants as much as. Uh, Jamie used to try to call me that, Mr. Bossy Pants or Mrs. Bossy Pants. I can't remember. He'd probably call mm. me Mrs. Uh, but yeah, I never tried to do that. I tried <laughs> oh, to take that. lead by example, man. Like that's my number one thing. It's especially hard if you, because I did the same thing. I started on front of house and moving in, moving up and stuff. And you get to know all the people you're working with. And then the next day you're like kind of their boss and you're kind of telling them what to do. The best way to mm. get them on your side is uh, to be cool. And not try to be cool, but just be cool with them and uh, show them that you're willing to do the same things that you've asked them to do. So help them do stuff. And then they'll be like happy to help out. That was like always really good and uh, worked for me. So that's my biggest advice for. That's good. Yeah. That's very good. I'm going to get that tattooed on my arm. Yeah. Uh, I kind of lost track of. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about this week. I'm in the middle of moving house right now, and like I've uh, had a yeah. lot of funny experiences trying to move stuff. Like yesterday, I went and got a little bedside table thing, carried it all the way from like somewhere in like Lewisham to like my place in Broccoli. It's not too far, but by the time I got there, my arms were killing me. And then like yeah, I got carrying a, something like that. Yeah, and I got a I got a message like early in the morning that like my landlord said that. There was my current <laughs> landlord says there was going to be a new refrigerator yeah. coming, and I was just like, "Oh, cool, great!" Like 
that's fun. very fun and nice of you to like <laughs> get a new refrigerator when we've had this crappy refrigerator that leaks all the time that we never complained about so you don't really know about but uh it's it's not the yeah, greatest great timing it's, yeah it's great timing that our last week you get you, you get us a new refrigerator that's going to be here for the next tenants and uh when it got here i had to help carry it up the stairs into our kitchen and we, we sat it down. The guy was like, don't plug it in yet. It's like a Coca-Cola that's been shaken up. If you plug it in before midnight, then <laughs> it's going to explode. And I was just like, what is it, a gremlin? What's like going gremlin. on? Come for the instruction <laughs> yeah. and shit. Yeah. Don't feed it. Don't yeah. put no water in it. Don't fucking shake it. Don't turn it on <laughs> after midnight. It's like a coffee. It's like yeah. a coffee with a little, like, not enough toy milk in the microwave. It kind of fucking explode. I don't know why I sound like I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a cupboard outside of our house that like when you first walk into my doorway, there's like a like there's a gate, an outer gate. And then you walk in, there's like a little space and there's like a cupboard in the, or the front door like to either side. And in this cupboard, it go, it's like under a staircase that goes upstairs to, to my landlord's house upstairs. And yeah. in, the, in there, it's just full of like cobwebs and like spiders, the little like white chocolate moldy <laughs> spiders that are just hanging. Oh, it's oh, so I know gross. And it's so oh, horrifying. So, over there. so we took the old fridge down and put it into that cupboard. And so I carried <laughs> this big, stupid side table. I carried one fridge up the stairs and then a fridge down the stairs. And then <sighs> about two hours later, I'm like making some bread. And I like look up on the kitchen cabinet and there's a fucking roach crawling <laughs> on the, oh, on the dude. cabinet. It's and I was like just like, roach and then I looked at the fridge and I Great. pulled it out. Now we have cockroaches. And there's like fucking roaches crawling around inside of it. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to pick it up, fuck, fuck. take it outside and just chuck it into the fucking garden. Go downstairs, <laughs> get our old fridge back and bring it upstairs by myself this time because i had the guy helping me both times last holy time. shit and then like completely just clean nobody thought to look out of everything yeah i was i was like i went to tesco yeah, at nine got a bunch of roaches get everywhere bro yeah man it was hor- yeah. horrifying i had roaches like, one night to call a guy yeah we're <sighs> in the fucking flat it's fucking horrifying man so i was like cleaning up and the main really thing last night the new fridge gets delivered and immediately goes outside i imagine <laughs> yeah. it's like on a treadmill <laughs> and it's like the, the stanford and sun music are playing yeah man. And the fridge just like gets delivered moved up and then moved back down <laughs> it's like a fucking <laughs> trojan horse roach infested trojan horse man like, do you think oh dude dude do you think he did it on purpose Maybe, man. Maybe you're just, already moving out, though. Yeah. Maybe just to make my last week here like unbearable. Like every day, there's going to be something. He's like, different. maybe not burn every bridge on the way out. <laughs> but yeah, I. Well, that's a I hell of a week. I'm going to leave them with a, a very messed up door. The front door just barely <laughs> is hanging on. Like it just it won't close. Closing. It won't open properly. It won't close properly. So we'll leave them with that. And we'll just have to make sure that, you know, no burglars break in because it's Christmas time. And what happens? You know, when we're talking about it's Christmas, Robin films, season. it's Robin season. Last week, we had that amazing Die Hard episode. Go back and listen to it. Uh, if you like the podcast, like 
this is me it's being great. serious here. I've been joking a lot in the last like few weeks in all this, but me being serious here, I uh, absolutely love hearing from you guys. And I love if you guys like would give us some feedback about the Die Hard episode. It's something that I kind of feel like we could do a little bit more of, maybe with breadcrumbs sort of mm. style things uh, in the future where we not necessarily talk about the film per se, but maybe it's a little bit more of a radio play style thing, old school. Mm-hmm. And uh, having yeah. fun with film. Old school. Orson Welles shit. Orson <laughs> Welles. You know? Also, it would be really appreciative if, you know, I'd be really appreciative if you go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call that these days. Leave a rating review <laughs> at your other little podcasting sites as well. You know, even if you don't listen to us on iTunes, it's awesome if you can just go over there, leave a review, a rating helps us out. It really helps our podcast get out there and can help us in many ways of furthering the show, furthering other future endeavors and uh, podcast sort of events that we're trying to do. So, yeah, I just want to grow the show a little bit more and it'd be nice to hear from you guys. Mm -hmm. And when we put a lot of work into things like the Die Hard episode, it like makes me feel good if, you know, that I'm not just doing it for nothing. And, uh, Screaming into yeah. the void. Yeah, <laughs> screaming into the void. Into a snowy <laughs> lake below. <laughs> but yeah, this week on the podcast, we're talking about some heavy hitters. One of those Christmas heavy hitters. We're worried about these burglars and stuff. You know, we're talking about a heavy hitter indeed this week. Hide your power tools, your blow torches, your BB guns, your hot wheels, your paint cans, nails, glue, irons, garden shears, and Christmas ornaments because... For today on the podcast, we've reached the ultimate killer. He's not just a burglar killer. He's just an ultimate killer. He is eight years old. He's friends with Michael Jackson. And he <laughs> is home alone. What's worse than a killer? A child. <laughs> <laughs> When the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation... Did we miss the flight? No, you just made it. They forgot one small thing. Have yourself... I have a terrible feeling. Did you lock up? Yeah. Do we set the timers on the lights? Mm Mm-hmm. What else could we be forgetting? Our troubles will be ours. Kevin! Ah! Home alone. Police in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. We know that you're in there. It's Santa Claus. And it's Elf. Get off my property. This is my house. I have to defend it. Where's your mother? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. He's a kid. I mean, what can a kid do to us? Kids are stupid. I know I was. You still are, Mark. This is it. Ow! I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. Yes! Where are you, you little creep? I'm gonna kill that kid! Why'd you take your shoes off? Why do you dress like a chicken? Gus Polinski, Polka King of the Midwest. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll gladly drive you. Hey, guys. Yesterday, he was just a kid. But tonight, he's a home security system. You guys give up? Or you're thirsty for more?
from John Hughes. You know, I got a feeling this is going to be your best Christmas ever. A family comedy without the family. <laughs> Home Alone. Are you here all alone? I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. When a bratty eight-year-old Kevin McAllister, Macaulay Culkin, acts out on the night before his family's Christmas trip to Paris, his mother, Catherine O'Hara, yes, she's in this film, makes him sleep in the attic. After the McAllisters mistakenly leave for the airport without Kevin, he awakens to an empty house and he assumes his wish to have no family has come true. But his excitement sours when he realizes that two conmen, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, plan to rob the McAllister residence and that he alone must protect the family home. It's the 1990 30th anniversary. Holy cow. Ooh. Holy cow. Christmas family comedy. Another anniversary. <laughs> it's a Christmas family comedy from the director, Chris Columbus. Ooh, he was Ooh, going heard back him. a couple Ooh. weeks ago when we talked about Jingle All the Way, you know, which he rewrote it and hand. produced, as well as it writing on everything. Yeah, he's he's written The Goonies. He's directed such bangers as Adventures in Babysitting, Only the Lonely with our boy John Candy, which is a lovely little like rom-com film. Mrs. Doubtfire. Bicentennial Man. Banger. Everybody knows. The first two Harry Potter movies, even though the second one kind of sucks. And Pixels. They shut up. Pixels. Oh my God, he did Pixel? Yeah. <laughs> He's done a lot of other things as well. But he loves Christmas, too. He loves Christmas, Phil. So can you name a fun little game here already? Apart from Jingle All the Way and Home Alone, what other films that are Christmas-related that he either wrote, directed, or produced? There's a few more. Okay. Um, Did he... He wrote um, Gremlins. Am I right? Yes. No? Yes, he wrote it. So yes, Gremlins is one. He, I don't remember if he produced or directed. Had he got something to do with the Christmas Chronicle movie, right? Yes, he does. The Kurt Russell one. He produced them. He produced the first one, and he's written and the director of and producing Christmas Chronicles two that's coming out this year. Oh, the the Goldie Hawn one. Yeah. Um, it's a couple more. Um, I mean, none of the ones you mentioned. One's an easy one because I kind of, and it's kind of a tricky one because I've I'm kind of making you feel like <laughs> may have already said it, but I haven't technically. And I've already said it's original film's name at least once or twice. You know, <laughs> wait, wait, no, I can do this. It's a sequel. <laughs> it's a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, no, Home Alone, Home Alone 2. There you go. Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2. I was just. I was just messing with you. There's a trick one. All right. So there's one more that he's okay, written, good. a Christmas film that he's written that we haven't talked about and that hasn't had anything to do with any of the other films yet. I know. I know it. I know it. Tim Allen. Yes. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Christmas with the cranks. cranks. <laughs> yes. Crank. I've, I've seen it for some reason. Yeah. I think I was like seeing his name on it. I was like, 
Okay. It, why, uh, why? Christmas with the Cranks <laughs> is like confused? kind of bad, but it's also kind of good in a weird way. It's like, it's not yeah, like, it's like jingle all the way the good. Of, it's like the middle of the road. Yeah. Christmas it's, movie. It's a fun one. It's like surviving Christmas. <laughs> one of those that I, I'll, I'll watch because it's got yeah. people I like in it and it's them running around having fun. And I like Tim Allen. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and apparently Chris Columbus he likes Robert Eggers as well because he executive produced The Witch and The Lighthouse, which is pretty pretty crazy. Really? He likes Christmas and psychedelic horror movies. <laughs> psychedelic horror movies, yeah. <laughs> and of course, the film was written by the one and only John Hughes. Another John one Hughes. from back a couple of weeks ago when we did train, Trains, Planes, and Automobile. You know, you can go back, listen to that. It was Thanksgiving train, there. plane, and automobile. Train, plane, automobile. You can go back and listen to train, automobile. plane, automobile if you want to. It's back a couple episodes back in the timeline. It's a fun episode. It doesn't need to be Thanksgiving where you are because most people who listen to this podcast live in the UK and they don't celebrate Thanksgiving. So you can just have fun. Eat a turkey because there's turkeys out there. Drink some booze because that's what we yeah. were doing. And uh, mm. listen to a movie that... You know, listen to us talk about a movie. Yeah, which is better, arguably better. Hot takes out the gate. We're taking so long to get to this about Home Alone. <laughs> oh, Home Alone. Yeah. I, I don't think I have a hot take with this one. I think it's a Christmas classic. I think That's it's a hot take. a wonderful film that everyone seemed to enjoy. I don't <laughs> like that. You, you, got, you got to watch Home Alone. Yeah. Every year you got to watch Home Alone. And it's weird how this movie has become the most definitive Christmas movie when it is about a kid trying to protect his house <laughs> from two criminals. I mean, it's great. It's Macaulay Culkin, who's a really fun kid actor, and opposed yeah. to Jake Lloyd, which we will not talk about <laughs> in any context ever. He's great. I mean, Joe Pesci. At the end of the day, yes, Joe Pesci. And I love everything Joe Pesci has ever done. And this is the same year as Goodfellas. And that's insane. <laughs> and I mean, the whole movie is fun, but the last half an hour of the movie with all the hijinks and yeah. all the traps set in motion, it is the best live action cartoon ever. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, feel like I've, I feel like I've said that a few times recently where like we've talked about cartoonish movies. Yeah. But that is it's literally Tom and Jerry. It's literally tuned. But for real, it's yeah. some of legit the best stunt work you'll ever see in a movie. <laughs> it's real, it's hard hitting, it's funny, and it's always funny, and it's always worth watching. And it's great; it just fills you up. It like makes yeah. you feel warm the whole Definitely. movie. Um, what about you? You got any hot takes? Do you secretly yeah, hate uh, this movie? No, not at all. Let us know. I, uh, yeah, you out there, listeners, if you secretly hate this film, you can let us know. It's fine. Let us know. I want to hear. Oh, it. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> This film's super fun, man. It's like, uh, it's one of those films where it, of course, is sort of like set at Christmas time. The whole idea is like a Christmas, like being together for Christmas and blah, blah, blah. But it's one of those Mm -hmm. beautiful films that like can be, you can watch it any time of the year and you can still get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It doesn't necessarily have to be Christmas because it's a silly film about a little boy who gets left at home and has to fend his home. And I think it's very funny. Macaulay Culkin is like a legend. I mean, when I was a little kid, I used to watch all of his films and stuff. You know, like I was at the right fucking age bracket for it. It was like 
always like Richie Rich, even though it was a crap movie. I loved I it. I loved Richie Rich. I loved it. He had a McDonald's in his house, yeah. bro. <laughs> my girl, uh, he gets oh, killed no, by not bees. Oh, no, not my girl. <laughs> he needs his glasses. He needs his glasses. And then, uh, let's see, what else? Uh, the Page Master, that was horrible. Um, but Uncle yeah, Buck. Uncle Buck. Uh, oh, man, The Good Son. Oof, oof. 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 Macaulay Culkin as a bad boy, Oof. a real bad boy. You think he's bad in Home Alone? You should watch The Good Son. He's like he's like bad in like a Bart Simpson way in Home Alone. <laughs> yeah. He's not really bad. Yeah. It's like a Dennis the Menace sort of thing. Yeah. It's like it's like a fifties bad, yeah, definitely. Where it's like, oh, you know, he got his slingshot. Better watch out. Yeah, but in Home Alone, sorry, in uh, The Good Son, he is he is bad. Like Damien is bad. <laughs> you know, like yeah, he will fucking kill you. Uh, he will push you off of. <laughs> Getting even with dad. That's the other one. Getting even with dad. Yeah, with Ted Danson. Great. Yeah, this with is Ted like Danson. it's like the same movie as this, but he's hanging out with the burglars. His dad is like Joe Pesci, and he just has to like take out for him all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I really like Joe Pesci in this film. Obviously, that's that's obvious, but I think unsung man Daniel Stern, fucking great. Yeah, Daniel you're Stern right, is actually. amazing. He's so funny His in this. Scream. He was great in like like fucking rookie of the year like he had a like city slickers he had a long string of films around this time yeah, that were all the 90s. great so yeah it's a fun film and the score and i'll get to it later but john williams this was a fucking great score and i'll get to that later i mean yeah i can't wait to get into it it's a big part of my christmas but like i like i like some christmas music not mm-hmm. really the poppy stuff like the more I carry and stuff, but like yeah. I like the Sinatra stuff, and and uh, this year I finally put together a playlist and I put a lot of the Home Alone <laughs> on there. Nice. Well, the idea of Home Alone came to John Hughes, the writer, like like it did with Trains, Planes, and Automobiles, born from a personal experience. So Hughes has explained that he was going away on vacation and making a list of the things he would not want to forget, and he thought, well, I better not forget my kids. And then he thought, what if I Wouldn't left? that be funny? <laughs> <laughs> he thought, what if I left my 10-year-old son at home? What would he do? He figured children were naturally pretty scared of robbers, so he worked that aspect into the plot. He then wrote eight pages of notes. He missed his flight. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I, think he, I think he went on holiday. He came back, and then he like started writing this out. He wrote eight pages of notes, and then he developed the idea into a screenplay, and apparently was completed within 10 days. Good God. That was a machine. <laughs> Apparently, he knocked out the final 44 pages in just eight hours. His son, James Hughes, <sighs> who might be the 10-year-old that he got the idea of, uh, has said, you know, in recent years that John Hughes... Jamie! <laughs> Jamie! <laughs> he said that uh, John Hughes wrote in the margins of his journal that he had been working too slowly so he decided to pop out the last 44 pages in just eight hours. And that's why it turns into a complete cartoon. <laughs> he was just like, he just high like, on did he was a like, huge <laughs> line of Coke. Yeah. He's like, and then he steps on a nail. <laughs> <laughs> this will never happen, but you know, just like that. Something like that. Just fuck it. Fuck it. I just need to finish. <laughs> The film was initially meant to be produced by Warner Brothers, 
But John Hughes promised, here we go again, John Hughes and his fucking monies that he's like telling people and then he's spending money on crazy shit. So he promised that he could make the film for $10 million, which is a lot of money. But at that time, it was actually kind of low, even 30 years ago for the size of the film. And you know how like John Hughes, he spent like $100,000 on a house in planes, trains and automobiles. That, that we didn't even see didn't even see you only saw a couple of rooms up but he made other rooms that you never even saw so just imagine all the money he would spend on this film that has a fuck off house with tons of rooms that you see plus other houses a church a tree house and paying macaulay culkin's <laughs> shitty dad who dude i did i didn't know this but by the way side note Okay, last week we talked about Die Hard, right? Mm. John McClane's wife is played by Bonnie Bedelia. Bonnie Bedelia is mm. Kit Culkin, Macaulay Culkin's dad, sister. She is Macaulay oh. Culkin's aunt. Okay. Had no idea. I did not know that. Had no idea. The more you know. Fucking breadcrumbs. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> anyway, when John Hughes realized that Warner would probably be pretty strict and want to stick to that $10 million budget. He decided to secretly meet with Fox, which wasn't exactly legal. He was kind of, he was kind of being a wet bandit himself, just sneaking in. Just like, Hey Fox, I got this movie about a little boy who's going to become best friends with Michael Jackson one day. And he's going to get burgled. And you should buy it. But don't tell Warner Brothers because we got a contract and the ink ain't even dry yet. So I'm just going to let you know and I'm going to slip out. And then he slipped out. And then he started making the film. They start making the film over there at Warner. And then the budget in the early stages of production before they really started to shoot looked like it was going to exceed $14 million. And Warner asked to trim it down $1.2 million. And Hughes said, no. Just like he said. Warner dropped the project. <laughs> Straight up dropped it. Like, no, we're done. We're not doing this. And then Fox swooped in and took up John Hughes on his earlier offer. But he was not right. He bet on himself. Yeah. And Home Alone with a huge fucking hit. And now, guess who has Home Alone on their streaming service? <laughs> Yeah, Disney. Disney. Guess who doesn't have Home Alone on the streaming service? Warner, who's playing around with HBO Max. HBO Max. One point for Christopher Nolan and uh, Disney, even though he's not even a part of Disney, but one point for them. Zero points for Warner and HBO Max. That's what you get for not playing the game. You got to fucking play the game if you want (laughs) to win the game. (laughs) Yeah. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. (laughs) The final budget of this film ended up being $18 million. (laughs) (laughs) How? It's a kid in a house. Oh, man. John Hughes originally had Patrick Reed Johnson, who made Baby's Day Out, and which John Hughes also wrote. That's barely a movie. John Hughes wrote it, though. And he also made... Yeah, but we forget about that. (laughs) He made Angus, which... I fucking love. I don't know if you've ever seen Angus. Shout out 
never heard at of it. At the PCC podcast, if you've ever seen Angus, it was like this beautiful sort of like mid-90s when Green Day was sort of like popular off of Dookie and sort of shit like that. Uh, great, great, great film about a fat kid who uh, got... It, it's, it's, the, it's sort of like the reverse of She's All That, but it was before She's All That. It was like this weird sort of MTV Angus. generation... Uh, about a fat kid who sort of gets tricked by like people that like the popular girl in school that he's obsessed with, like will go to the prom with them. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this guy, Patrick Reed Johnson was tapped to direct, but he went on to make spaced invaders, which spaced invaders. Yeah. Spaced invaders. I'd never heard of it. It looked like it was pretty terrible. Okay. Yeah. Sounds terrible. <laughs> so then, John Hughes turned to Chris Columbus, whom he gave the script to after Columbus left another John Hughes written film that he was going to direct called Christmas Vacation, another Christmas time classic. Another classic. He said that Chevy Chase was treating him like dirt. So he left the production. And I'm rewatching That's Community. Yeah. I'm rewatching Community right now. And I like, I love Chevy Chase. I've, I've always liked Chevy Chase a lot. But man, the more you read into <laughs> Chevy Chase. Oh, he just seems he like the on biggest dickhead. Oh my god! It, I mean, it worked for. I forget the character. I forget the character he played. Pierce, um, yeah. Pierce worked for Pierce, but when you realize he is that guy in real yeah. life, it's harder to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, god damn it, Chevy Chase. So Chris Columbus did an uncredited rewrite, which introduced the character of who do you think it was? Who do you think in this film of Home Alone that Chris Columbus added to give the film a more serious vibe and a more emotional ending? The neighbor. The neighbor. Old Man Marley. Yeah. Chris Old Columbus. Man Marley. I was like, it's not going to be John Candy. That's definitely John Hughes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> polka, polka, polka. <laughs> no, that was uh, Sheboygan. Huge Sheboygan. Sheboygan. <laughs> Sheboygan. All right, let's get into the cast uh, since we're talking about people like old man marley all right so mm. obviously we have oh that's the christmas carol reference i've just noticed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, marley, Where marley and marley. marley hey if you like muppets christmas carol and you've been listening to this podcast for like you know since the pandemic started you're new to us go back into the timeline we have a muppets christmas carol episode last christmas that was uh featuring brett goldstein who loves He's a he's he was on uh, Ted Lasso. He he a, really loves. He's that a great movie. comedian. He's a very funny actor, uh, and he loves very funny Muppets Christmas Carol. And he was on an episode with me talking about Muppets Christmas Carol. It's, a, it's great. Go listen to it. But anyway, Kevin McAllister, Macaulay Culkin. All right, so obviously John Hughes, one and only, suggested Macaulay Culkin for this role after his experience working on him and uh, with um, you know with him on Uncle Buck. And apparently the scene in which Uncle Buck like is comes to the house the first time the and Macaulay question. Culkin questions him, interrogates him through the letterbox. I love that thing. Yeah, he that was a big inspiration on the script, like when he was writing it. So Chris Columbus, even though he had like the future biggest child star, even though I guess it was just that one film that people really knew him from and he wasn't really proven yet, mm. but he had this like this piece of gold dangled in front of him. He still met with around 200 other actors before he finally oh, met with Macaulay Culkin and agreed that, yes, it was a right choice. 
<laughs> Macaulay Culkin, That's like, good. he was pretty, like, involved. He apparently, like, improvised quite a few little bits here and there, came up with some funny little ideas. Apparently, he was on set just, like, pretending he was directing the show at, at times, making Chris Columbus laugh. He drew up his own map, like, the map that the character uses to set all the traps. Macaulay Culkin actually drew that. <laughs> Wait. Didn't he? I I feel like I've heard that he improvised the aftershave thing. He did. Yes. So Am I right? yeah, the poster, Which is like the poster, like yeah, the poster, the bit. video box. It's the iconic image of Kevin screaming, scream. with his hands yeah. in his face. Uh, that was actually an accidental improvisation by Macaulay Culkin because he forgot to take his hands away when he screamed, and that just became the most famous shot in the film. <laughs> It's yeah, just sure. really funny. And every kid's done that. Fucking shaved and they put on the aftershave and it's <laughs> yeah. like, ding. Yeah. And you have no idea you're not ready for it. Yeah. Everyone on set was just amazed about how mature Macaulay Culkin was and how professional he was at such a young age. I mean, he was like nine years old, I think, at the time. And Joe Pesci told Entertainment mm. Weekly, he's like, Mac is not like a nine-year-old. He's an old man already. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's like an old man already. Except he wasn't old enough to look at that Playboy magazine, you know? So apparently they, to cover it up. they taped up the pages or whatever that had nudity or whatever. So like when he was flipping through it, there wouldn't be any nudity. So sticky, like a real issue. <laughs> Speaking of that scene, you know, Buzz's, Buzz's weird... Uh, girlfriend. Buzz's girlfriend. Yeah. Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. That was not a girl. They couldn't do that to a little girl. That'd be so mean. That was Chris Columbus's son dressed up as a girl. Oh, I didn't actually know it was his son. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. He looked like the kid in um, Finding Nemo, the girl who like keeps shaking the fish. <laughs> like just, just yeah. like weird, like girl with big eyes, fucking <laughs> huge mouth of braces and like pigtail. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously Macaulay Culkin was a nine-year-old and he was only allowed to work on set for five hours a day because of child labor laws. So the crew had God damn, when will when will we learn? <laughs> the crew had to, you know, plan all these scenes around his schedule, putting him on camera alone a lot. So that's why he has a lot of alone scenes. And when he got tired on set, he would just lie down and he would on the ground and he would just sleep between takes. You know? Still wee boy. It's amazing Macaulay Culkin how popular he became. You know, like like this film was just huge. It's like one of those Mm. things, I I don't know, it's just that like perfect time, perfect place, perfect magic moment to just blow the fuck up. And it obviously like wasn't Mm. the nicest thing. And if you like look at today, you at Macaulay Culkin's history and stuff and I still like Macaulay Culkin a lot. It's nice to see him like alive still and doing, doing well okay now. today. Yeah. I love He's doing the Pizza Underground. Yeah, Pizza Underground's <laughs> fun. I love the stuff that he was doing like uh in when he kind of first got back into acting when he was an adult. Like Saved is a fucking amazing Saved. movie. He's so good in that. And then Party Monster with him and Seth Green is a banger. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Uh, so yeah, Macaulay Culkin, I've got no problems with him, man. He's, he's a fun, fun cat. And his life was interesting. I mean, like when he was hired to be in this film, he, you know, they quickly learned 
that it was tough dealing with his father, his father and his family and everything it was, a, it was a strange thing. I mean, they had all those kids. Uh, we'll get into the McAllister clan in a second, but I mean, obviously there was another one that mm. appeared and not only do you have Macaulay, but you have one of his little brothers playing Fuller as Kieran Culkin playing Fuller. So Kieran Culkin, yeah. yeah. Is so, Kieran the one in Scott Pilgrim? Yeah. Or is Kieran the one in Lord of Chaos? Uh, or the one in Succession? <laughs> There's too many Culkins. Kieran is the one in Scott Pilgrim and Succession and Fargo and all that. Okay. The one you're thinking cool. of that's in uh, Lords of Chaos is Rory, who was also Rory in Culkin. Signs and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also good. Yeah. Anyway, you're, you're dealing with like a very interesting family. Macaulay Culkin, you can look mm. it up. I, I didn't really go into a lot of like research over this because it's like a whole messy trial. But I mean, he basically divorced his Take parents. Take a fucking guess. He divorced yeah. his parents. His dad became emancipated. Horrible, apparently, to deal with and just kind of abusive. And yeah, and led to a really horrible sort of career and life for Macaulay Culkin. I mean, it's kind of a shame. And obviously, he's got the Michael Jackson uh, <laughs> brush as well. So, thing. Yeah. yeah. Hanging over uh, Great in that black and white video. <laughs> <laughs> we have Catherine O'Hara is Kate, aka the mom. Legend. And yes, Catherine O'Hara is in this film. I don't really know why people this year decided that they just didn't realize she was in Home Alone. I hate this. I hate when the internet discovers something and it's trending and it's like, fuck you. It's like, is it because of Shit's Creek? It's because of Shit's Creek and people forget that people had careers before yeah. the one thing they know them from. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You I mean, should know Catherine O'Hara from the Christopher Guest stuff yes. and Home Alone That's and Beetlejuice, not just fucking shit. Creek. She's amazing. I'm, I, obviously, I'm glad I, she's doing well now. Yeah, I love her so much, man. She is great. I've always loved she's Catherine so O'Hara. So fucking good. Great, like, sort of mother, also great quirky character. You know, it's very similar in a way, like, because she can play that great mother character, sort of like Diane Weist when we were talking about Diane Weist a couple weeks ago. She has that ability to be sort of a quirky character which you see sometimes, but she kind of got typecast a bit as a mother. Whereas Catherine Harris played that fucking line. Like she's towed the line of being like a good mother character, like in home alone, but then also very quirky, like in the Christopher guest films are some of my favorite films. And she's amazing in those like best in show and a mighty wind. Like she's so funny. She's really funny. She's so funny. And then the dad, John Hurd is Peter. McAllister, the dad. The bad guy from Big. <laughs> John Hurd's great. Uh, Chris Columbus got them involved because he loved their work. And, you know, we'll get to the Wet Bandits. But after he he got, you know, the Wet Bandits involved in the picture, he felt he could kind of go any way he wanted to with the casting for the rest of the film. So he just got Catherine O'Hara and fucking John Hurd. He was just like, I love these people. They were like some of my heroes growing up. And uh, when I was getting started in my career and I love, I love them as actors and they're very funny. So I'm going to put them in this film and it works. <laughs> Catherine O'Hara said that Macaulay Culkin still calls her mom to this day, which is very sweet as well. Oh, and, I mean, that's nice. they're just fun, man. Like Catherine O'Hara, man, as a mother, like you have Macaulay Culkin screaming with the hands. We've already talked about that. Iconic. One of the biggest mm. things, but how can you forget that, Catherine O'Hara screaming, Kevin. Kevin! Like, that's one Kevin! of the most iconic <laughs> things about Home Alone, which again makes me confused of how people could forget that she was in this movie. <laughs> it's like iconic. I know, people are fucking stupid. Kevin! I hate the internet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have Gary Bamman as 
the dickhead Uncle Frank. <laughs> <laughs> he is a dick. Why is he God, such a dick? He's such a dick. I mean, every family had that. Yeah. But like, he's unnecessarily mean. Yeah. And cheap. He's and the cheapest like, skate. And kind of creepy. Kind yeah, of very creepy. creepy. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you rubbed me the wrong way. And this role was written actually originally for Kelsey Grammer, who turned it down. Really? Oh, I thought you were going to say it was written for Macaulay Culkin's dad. <laughs> he was a failed actor, Kit Culkin. So, I mean, maybe that was the reason why he was so upset. He was, <laughs> he was a failure and his son like accomplished more with like a couple of lines. In- <laughs> as a nine-year-old? <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> by doing this, <laughs> by just putting his hand on his face, yeah. he accomplished more so than he jealous. did in a lifetime. All right, so... We've got we've got the parents. We've got the Uncle Frank. Uh, I I for the life of me, I was trying to find the aunt's name, and I didn't look very hard, so I didn't get her name. I'm sorry, but she's she's there. I'm assuming Frank's wife. Then you have a litany mm-hmm. of kids. Who the fuck knows what's going on with the McAllister family? I have no idea. It's There's a lot of kids. None of them look related. It's insane. None of them look related. Kevin's family, you kind of get the gist that a lot of like a lot of the kids, you kind of figure out that they, you know, he he talks to it and he like says the name of that they are like mm. his actual brothers and sisters. The rest of the kids are his fucking cousins and stuff. Cousins. And it's so confusing. This yeah. was actually the first time that I actually noticed that uh, Peter McAllister said to Joe Pesci as a cop at the beginning of the film. That all the oh, yeah, all the kids it. are like there because his brother lives abroad, but his kids still go to school in America. But I'm like, what is going on? There's so many kids. There's so many kids. It's very <laughs> insane. But you have Devin Rattray is Kevin's brother, Buzz, the older brother. <laughs> Buzz, yeah. Who is the biggest bully in the world. It's great. Buzz is such a dickhead. Like he doesn't care about Kevin at all. <laughs> How can he be such a dick when he looks like that? You know what I mean? Like, you're not the cool kid, bro. You got, like, the fucking flat top and the big teeth and shit. And, like, you're just a bully. You're just a piece of shit. Yeah. Is it this one with the... No, it's not this one. That starts with the... Oh, in the um, second film where he's like, he doubles down on with his coolness. Yeah, with the lights and puts them and behind he, Kevin's ears. Yeah, and he ears. like pushes them over. <laughs> yeah. This is what I mean. This is what I was saying with fucking like Jingle All The Way. Like Jingle All The Way, it's like, that definitely happened once a year to the family, right? Yeah. Where he's a piece <laughs> of shit and then Christmas comes and there's some big, you know, shenanigans do and he learned the true meaning of Christmas. Same thing with this. Yeah. He goes through so much. They abandon him in this, like, in his hometown, in at home, left to fend for himself. And they all come back and they're grateful to be together. And yeah. it's like, you know, what if Christmas with that family? And then what, a year later? But it's like, haha, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and like, immediately back to bullying him. Do you think this is a continuous loop? Like, that they're stuck characters, in a time loop? characters yeah. like, you know, Howard. In, uh, in Jingle All the Way, and then Kevin and his family, the McAllisters, are stuck in a time loop to continue. It's like Groundhog Day, but Christmas time for these characters, and they keep repeating the same thing <laughs> over and over. Definitely, definitely, and they keep making Home Alone. Yeah, because huh? sequels, for the most part, don't really add more to the story. They most of the time, like Home they Alone, redo. in general. Like, even though I love the sequel, and we we'll get to that later, the second film particularly. Yeah, 
they basically just double down on what's already happened. They just keep recreating the same movie with just slightly different settings around them, yeah, but it's yeah. always the same. It's exactly the same. So sequels exactly are literally just a time loop. You're just creating a time loop for the characters. We're stumbling across stuff here. And like I said, Kieran Culkin is Fuller, who has uh, a obsession with drinking Pepsis. And it's interesting. His name is Fuller because he drinks till he's way too full and then he pisses the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fuller. Fuller. All right. So we have uh, Robert Blossoms as old man Marley. Now that, like I said, that was added in by Chris Columbus, a uh, sort of fun little, you know, addition to the film. I mean, to be honest, fucking scary. Buzz just like properly freaks Kevin out. I mean, if Buzz didn't tell this story to Kevin, none of like the ensuing events would have happened. So that's how bad Buzz is as a brother. He's lying to his little brother about an old man who's piece of shit. Yeah, like one of his cousins who's there as well. Like is just like maybe he's just trying to be nice, which he is. He's an old man trying to salt the fucking he's a nice roads. Old man. A lonely old man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just trying to make it so no one slips up. And he's his daughter. I mean, sorry, his son like doesn't speak to him anymore. They didn't really explain why, but they had an argument. So he can't see his granddaughter. He goes to the church and Kevin always just runs away from him. And then eventually, like, you know, they meet each other at the church. It's a very sweet story. I, I don't know about you. It's I love nice that thing. element to the story. It's very sweet. And obviously they redid it in the second film with the pigeon lady. <laughs> with the fucking pigeon lady. Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, it's way better in this one. I, I think it's really sweet. I like that character. It reminds me of being a kid. Yeah. But there were characters in my family and around like the neighborhood that I'd be scared of for no reason. Yeah. And it'd usually be an old person because you're scared of old people yeah, when you're yeah. young because <laughs> I don't know, death is a thing. Um but it's nice like playing that out and he is just a really sweet old man who needs a little bit of help. They both give each other something. Yeah. And it's silly that it takes a child perspective on things <laughs> to like repair like decade-long rift he has with his family. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's all he needed, and it's very sweet. And it's, um, it's a great surprise at the end when he fucking showed up. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we have Ralph Foodie as Johnny and Michael Guido as Snakes in Angels with Filthy Souls. So... If you've seen Home Alone, you know there's this black and white film that's playing in the film that uh, Kevin watches. He's not allowed to watch it because uh, un- Uncle Frank, even even Uncle Frank says it's too bad to watch. So Kevin's not allowed to watch. So when everyone leaves and he's alone, he first thing he does, pops in Angel's Filthy Souls and eats a lot of junk food, a lot of ice cream. And uh, oh. Snack time! Snack time. Quarantine. Quarantine. Lockdown. Here we go again. Lockdown. Two point up. Bill, what do you have for snack time? <laughs> you know, I could have gone so many ways. Yeah. I would just. We're gonna get something Peter related. Peter, shout out Peter on bar. Yeah, pizza related. Yeah, could you know the large cheap pizza just for me? Mm-hmm. Or just gonna get a bunch of junk food. But I was like, fuck it, Christmas. 
and I haven't done it today. Advent calendar chocolate. Ooh, this is nice. You get to open your oh, chocolate shit. advent calendar for us. It's the 13th. Exactly. Lucky number 13. Today's the 13th. I got to find it. Yeah, that's a good omen. And it should make a good sound. Ooh, and what does it say inside? Where does Santa live? Ooh, Chicago. Uh, Shermer, Illinois, like every other John Hughes character. Yeah. And it's the chocolate in the little snowman. Aww. Aww. And we know it's a chocolate from Cadbury, so. (laughs) It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm just going to eat it. Yeah. And these are especially good because we keep them on top of the microwave. Ooh. So they're just warm. (laughs) When we use the microwave, it's warm and it melts the chocolate. Yeah. It's great. Nice. How many uh, Christmas baubles are you giving it? Um, four. Hmm. You respectable four. All right. Well, Kevin McAllister, he loves junk food. He loves ice cream, but he loves pizza, right? So I've, yeah. I'm bringing back something I did a few weeks ago, like quite a few weeks ago, but it's even bigger. It's a Chupa Chups oh, no. gummy pizza, but a giant one. <laughs> what the fuck? A giant one. I didn't know you could get that. And it's in like that. a cool pizza box, but it's actually just gummy. So it's going to taste like Caribou. Oh, basically. that's funny. But it looks like a little personal pizza. Yeah. Oh, man. It smells like shit. <laughs> it's got a plastic wrap over it, right? Like a, a plastic hear that yeah. and then it's still and covered it's still covered in more plastic over top of this why why is it double plastic wrap? and then it's made of plastic yeah because they hate chupa chups hate the planet <laughs> <laughs> they want it to die uh, uh. so it's a personal cheese pizza for me although it's got bananas for its crust Ew. it's got raspberries and blueberries and and all sorts of stuff are you gonna take a bite out of it like a pizza or just yeah one by one well i mean if i because there's a piece of cardboard underneath it so i'll, I'll eat a take slice it off the cardboard i'll take a, a slice. slice that's what i mean i could fucking die <laughs> it tastes like the same thing as the last one it's like a nice little hair bow it's not pizza flavored it's not pizza flavored. Again. What so, the fuck is the point? What is the point? And I'm not even going to give it a score because I've already yeah. given this a score. So <laughs> go back and listen to whatever episode go. that was. <laughs> Bubble Boy? <laughs> Maybe. No. no, it was something to do with Tom, Tom Hanks. Maybe. Uh... So Phil, growing up, when you watched Home Alone, did you think that the film that Kevin watches throughout the film in this film, and then there's also another one in the second film, was a real movie? With even filthy film? Um, I did. I, I legit thought it was a real movie. I remember looking for it at one point. <laughs> now, now I get the reference. Now I can see it was made for the movie. Yes. It's a reference to like an old Cagney movie. I think the, the name is almost exactly the same. Yeah, it's a parody of the 1938 film Angels with Dirty Faces. That's so, it, uh, yeah, angels with filthy. Yeah, I always souls. wanted to watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
yes, this is not a real movie. Uh, it's another thing that a lot of people in recent years have started to realize that it's not a real movie. And that's that one's fine. It's okay if you didn't mm-hmm. know that that wasn't a real movie. I'm not going to give you a hard time because you should, you know, you should, you should maybe think that might be a real movie, but you should know that Catherine O'Hara was yeah. in this film. You know, that's what, that's my sticking point this week. Uh, you should know that Catherine O'Hara was in this film. If you don't, <laughs> don't talk to me. Angels with Filthy Souls was shot in one day prior to filming, obviously, because they had to have Kevin watching it. And how it was made was obviously it was in black and white, but Home Alone was one of the last films that was shot on the old carbon arc lighting system, which was popular mostly in the 40s to the 60s for Technicolor films. The cinematographer, Julia Madcat, you know, she insisted on doing the whole film this way to give it sort of a rich look. And that's why Home Alone has that sort of like timeless old school vibe to it. Like the colors just look, Mm. it's just like, yeah, it feels like an old classic film. So they shot Angels with Filthy Souls the same exact way, but they did it in black and white and they did it from low angles to make it look like a child was perceiving it. And that's sort of the magic of that whole thing, which makes it even funnier, like Kevin watching it and just getting freaked out. (laughs) I love that as like, you know, it's, it's just so silly, like him using it against the pizza guy, like (laughs) tell him to get out of here. Why would that ever work? (laughs) But it gives you, it gives us the most iconic line. Like every readograph in the world had put that up at one point. Keep Mm -hmm. the change. You filthy animal. There have been songs and albums named after just that fucking line. <laughs> it's great. It's so funny. And you, I mean, if you cranked it and it was just gunshot, maybe you would run away. Yeah. Kevin has Keep the guy earning like $2 an hour. Yeah, he just puts them against the window. Like, I'll get into this in a second. But I just absolutely love how like Kevin's mind works when he's alone and he's just like so fucking advanced. <laughs> but he like can't even pack his fucking bags at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Kevin's fine different ways, man. (laughs) Kevin like goes to the fucking store and he buys like detergent and all this stuff. But then he's got the little army men and he's like, it's for the kids. Oh yeah. (laughs) He's got his detergent and the woman's about to scan it. He's like, I got a coupon for that. It was in the it's in the paper. And then the woman tries to give him a shakedown, basically, just trying to ask where he's like, you know, are you here alone? Where's your parent? I'm eight years old. You think I would be here alone? My mom's out in the car. (laughs) he's just like it's so great and she's just like where do you live I'm not going to tell you that why not because you're a stranger and I don't know you (laughs) it's beautiful it's (laughs) so fucking kid yeah it's beautiful that's all he has to say like the most the most like the the moment in the film that I feel like just like is most relatable when Kevin's just walking down the street the bag and the bags break and he just gives that look like <laughs> oh, shit. That's 2020 oh, that right there. Time to me. I hate it. <laughs> All right. We have John Candy as Gus Polinski, the polka king of the Midwest. I love John Candy in this. Yeah. What a great addition. Yeah. Just to have the cutaway theme of Catherine O'Hara and John Candy just <laughs> riffing. Yeah. Just improvising. And he had maybe the funniest bit in the movie where he talked about leaving his kid at a funeral party. Yeah. <laughs> and he talked about the kid yeah. didn't talk, but he's just surrounded by corpses for yeah. fucking eight for <laughs> hours. And then the kid didn't talk for weeks. And he's like, I'm not quite sure I told what I, why I told you that. And she's like, yeah, I wish you hadn't. <laughs> yeah. It's just so funny. Just so funny. He's a great, 
character to add into the mix and just a yeah. tweet to watch. Apparently he was only available for one day to film his scenes, which took 23 hours to shoot. So they just were shooting <laughs> fucking solid. You got one day, day you all day. He was yeah. only paid 414 pounds for the film uh, since he did it as a favor <laughs> to John Hughes. And in return, he got paid like scale. <laughs> yeah. In return, he was the only actor Hughes allowed to go off script. So yeah, like all of his dialogue was improvised. He was allowed to go off script. He was having a f- fun time, just uh, having a blast. <laughs> I love John Candy in this film. I mean, he makes any film better. Yeah. Okay. So of course, the final two big boys I've saved to the last: Joe Pesci, yeah. Harry Lime, and Daniel Stern as Marv March Merchants. AKA the wet bandits who are also rumored to be the sticky bandits. We don't know about that yet. Both a stupid. Gimmick. <laughs> I love that. It's just like Marv always trying to push these stupid gimmicks and Harry, like Harry's just like, dude, no, like you're stupid. It's like, you're so immature. It's like he doesn't understand the basic concept of being a criminal in that you don't want to get caught. Yeah. And Marv is like desperate to leave calling cards. Yeah, so they all can the greats. Well known. <laughs> It's like you don't want to be well-known. You want to just be rich. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's just amazing that, like, like Harry, he's, like, able to break into this house, like, go into this house dressed as a police officer. (laughs) And he's, like... The gold tooth. This gold tooth. But he's got this really, like, legit uniform at the beginning of the film. Yeah. I'm just, like, why didn't he try to pretend to be a police officer again to come back to the house to mess with Kevin? Like... You know, just to infiltrate. Oh, like he could have just grabbed him, right? Yeah. Maybe he'd just be like, oh, you want to come with us? And they just like blind. lock him up somewhere. <laughs> it should have been easy. It, it, a child. <laughs> Before Harry was given to Joe Pesci, we had John Lovitz was considered for the role. But there was also a very, very, very big actor. Do you know who it was? Who was considered for the role of Harry? Very good friends with Joe Pesci. De Niro? De Niro. De Niro could have been Harry. De Niro never would have done that. (laughs) Never would have done that. Joe Pesci can do Home Alone, but De Niro can't do it. Joe Pesci can do King of Comedy, but De Niro can't do Home Alone. Maybe. Yeah, He couldn't do My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen them as the as the wet bandits, De Niro and Pesci. Imagine that. <laughs> that that would have that would have totally worked. Totally worked. Yeah, but I'm glad we got uh, we got Daniel Stern. But anyway, yeah, De Niro turned it down. John Lovitz turned it down. So Joe Pesci eventually accepted the role. Jeremy Irons was apparently offered either of the bandits. But he turned it down to due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, Christopher Too scary. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd turned down the role for Marv, as well. Same sort of build. Yeah, Michael Richards, another sort of similar build, who plays Kramer, Kramer? in Seinfeld. Seinfeld is the new reference. Sorry, Brian De Palma. Yeah, Seinfeld but, uh, Seinfeld's here. Move over. <laughs> yeah, so he was apparently considered for Marv. Ultimately. Daniel Stern took the role, but when production, you know, the production schedule, it extended from six weeks to eight weeks. They weren't going to pay any extra money. Stern walked away. 
So they brought in Daniel Roebuck to replace him, who is known for being in a lot of Rob Zombie films. He's been in like every Rob Zombie film, even the shitty Halloween ones. So whatever. Uh, Chris Columbus quickly realized that there wasn't the same chemistry between Roebuck and Joe Pesci's characters that Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci had. So Roebuck was fired and they convinced Stern to come back. (laughs) That's funny. This is where it gets really fun because Joe Pesci was apparently pretty difficult to work with. Joe Pesci didn't like his lines. He basically was just talking shit about the script the entire time. He's just like, you know, I'm a, I'm an actor. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm an actor. I'm dealing with this child shit here. And dude, you're in Home Alone. <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, you know, I said that like they had to deal with Kevin a lot. Like, uh, you know, Macaulay Culkin. He's just a little kid, so they're having to deal with his schedule and stuff. His schedule. So, yeah, Joe Pesci. He was he was not dealing like dealing really well with the early start times that they had. Like they had him starting at like 7 a.m. And he was just like, man, I want to play my golf. I got to get my nine holes of golf in before shooting. He eventually grabbed an assistant director. You don't need me. (laughs) He eventually grabbed the assistant director by the collar to complain. And they eventually moved the call times to nine o'clock so that he could play his golf. (laughs) Classic Joe Pesci. And even worse, him and Daniel Stern, of course, were cursing all the time on set. It was particularly Pesci who was doing the most of it. And Chris Columbus told him that he had to say fridge instead of the other four letter F word. And that's what led to his Yosemite Sam cartoon cursing that he does in the film. So it adds I love that, that layer of cartoon that you're talking about. For sure. But Daniel Stern actually did land a cuss word in the film that stayed in the film. So you remember when he's like sticking his foot through the doggy door and his shoe falls off, he accidentally said (laughs) shit and they didn't cut it out of the film. So next time you watch it, you want to have a little laugh. I didn't uh, catch that. I mean, I'll watch it again on Christmas. No, I'll probably catch it that time. (laughs) Joe Pesci purposely avoided uh, Macaulay Culkin on set though. Like he wanted to, he wanted to get all like, you know. Oh, keep him scary. Keep him scary. Yeah, he wanted to. He wanted Macaulay Culkin to just think he was mean and scary and to be more afraid of him. He was getting, you know, getting real dialed in method, you know. And he got so method that like when they were rehearsing the scene, which I think is actually probably one of the more terrifying bits of the film. I mean, like when I was a kid, I used to be afraid of, you know, the idea of someone breaking into your house. Uh, I, I was always afraid of like my basement. I had a very similar basement where it was just like unfinished and it was scary. And there was like a loud fucking furnace down there. So like I could relate when Kevin like goes down and he's so afraid of the furnace. And then you just run really fast back upstairs, like just away from the darkness. I remember that. I remember uh, because I would stay up late as a kid yeah. and um, it, like my parents would go to sleep. And so I'd be the last one up and I would... I would like check the door over and over again. I would lock the <laughs> windows were closed. Yeah. If I had to go take the trash out, I'd yeah, like run, run back. Quick. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Run real quick. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird, weird, uh, like fear you, uh, create in your head when you're a kid. Yeah. So when they were rehearsing the scene, which I think is actually pretty terrifying, the most of this film, like when you have the wet bandits getting caught up in all their ridiculous stuff, that they get into uh, all the hijinks, the uh, injuries, uh, 
the accidents. A lot of injury. There's a lot of funny stuff going on, but then Kevin gets caught by Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, Harry and Marv, and Marv picks them up and puts them up on the back of the door, and he's hanging there, and it's so terrifying. These two men just, like, pick him up, and Joe Pesci just yeah, grabs his hand, coming. and he's just like... I'm going to bite all your fingers off. <laughs> it's like a child nightmare version of it. Not like a realistic thing. It's like, oh no, these scary men are going to come in and bite uh, my finger off. As if that would happen. They'd come in and like shoot you. <laughs> like uh, Al Pal. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh man. When they were rehearsing that scene, Joe Pesci accidentally bit Macaulay Culkin's finger for real. And he drew blood. And Macaulay Culkin said, like, a few years ago when he was talking about it, that, like, he still has the scar on his finger. Oh, man. I would talk about that all the time. See this shit? Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci bit me once. That gold tooth? Joe Pesci, bro. Why do you think he lost a gold tooth? He bit my finger. (laughs) Actually, that happened Exactly. It wasn't the beams. (laughs) It wasn't the paint cans to the face. The paint cans? How did Harry Marv survive? (laughs) <laughs> this film they wouldn't have they wouldn't, they wouldn't have. have they would have died quite quickly yeah like i think just him slipping on the steps he would have broken his fucking yeah, neck definitely. Or something. and a third degree burn concussion at least i want to i want to get into this because it's like a gimmick that kind of gets done and i feel like you can't talk about home alone without sort of talking about the injuries that occur in the film so let's break it down it's a gimmick that exists it's a bit of a trope when you're talking about Home Alone that doctors assess the injuries of all the uh, injuries that the wet bandits get in the film and whether or not like they would survive that or what would actually happen. So I'll just start with them. I'll try to go through them real quick because this is pretty fucking full on and I don't want to waste any more time. Uh, we have the BB gun. <laughs> so Kevin shoots the BB gun through the doggy door and hits him. So the diagnosis. Oh, yeah. Get them right in the nugget. <laughs> The diagnosis is that there would be a laceration on the forehead, almost definitely close range, probably wouldn't be enough to fracture the skull, but it could break the skin and even get lodged in deeper tissues. The BB probably wouldn't break through the pants, depending on the fabric, but there could be and probably would be serious lasting damage to the testicle if it was hit, in fact, at a direct hit, especially at that range. (laughs) It's such close range, you know? I don't like it. It makes me feel funny. So we have stair falls. (laughs) They fall down quite a few times down some stairs. Uh, 15 plus potential (laughs) injuries. It's so funny though. It's huge bump, man. Serious wrestling bump. They're like landing on their neck and stuff. The doctor said neither one of them would be able to get up off after all these falls, especially at their age. Any of these tumbles would definitely be enough to send them to the ER, the ER immediately. For sure. We're talking herniated discs, bruised or fractured <laughs> tailbones, <laughs> multiple spinal yeah. fractures, broken limbs and ribs, serious deep tissue bruising, internal bleeding. And that's just the start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't think they'd be able to get up and run around after all those falls. But they're motivated by a drive to kill this child. So I think <laughs> yeah. he's excluding that. Yeah, he's know, not. Adrenaline will do He's a not lot. thinking about the adrenaline, man. I'm not a doctor, but I, I know more. <laughs> <laughs> we got the iron to the face. All right, so 
Kevin. Oh, that's great. It leaves such a great mark on their fucking head. <laughs> Kevin puts a fucking rope out. Again, this kid can't even pack his back, but he can some somehow create the ultimate death trap for robbers. Divide <laughs> divide the rope pulley system that like perfectly countered weight and it activated upon like moving objects. And it's time but like how the fuck? I couldn't do that now. And I've been to school. I have a degree. I have a degree and I couldn't do I couldn't build what fucking Kevin McAllister did in Home Alone. It's pathetic. How my manager <laughs> <laughs> this doctor says probable concussion, potentially a orbital fracture. <laughs> Eye muscles can get caught in the fracture. Oh, yeah. And it's a very serious emergency. Loss of vision is possible. Could develop raccoon eyes, bruising from of the tissues around the eyes. And you could definitely see a skull fracture occurring from this. <laughs> Great. So far, paralyzed. I'm blind. Yeah. Uh, good start. Okay. So the nail on the foot. <laughs> oh that's the hardest one to watch Marv too. takes the worst oh. the worst punishment man he takes the iron yeah. to the face and he steps on the nail so the doctor says this one looks painful uh, perforated fascia maybe I'm not really sure what that is uh, could definitely injure some tendons in the foot the lingering effects of this injury could get intense if not properly treated. Deep tissue infection or yeah. cellulitis, a bacterial infection. Definitely infection. Yeah. <laughs> you should hope the nail Definitely. is not rusty because rusty nails do cause tetanus. So if no treatment is given, it would be extremely hard to put any weight on that foot afterwards. <laughs> it's, so, it's just so gross. And it's like, it doesn't have to be even like a... Like, he's lucky that he's not walking normally. He's yeah. walking very cautiously. And so he just hit the nail. The nail just goes in. Yeah. For everybody in the audience. Like, oh. yeah. yeah, to do that. And then he falls back down. But he could have just, like, barreled down the stairs and, like, landed full on. Yeah. The nail could have gone through the foot. Yeah. And he would have been, yeah, absolutely done. He would have been nailed to the stairs. All right, so we have the hand branding. <laughs> Kevin puts that fucking like. Oh my god! What is that thing? Like that like iron, that like hot iron thing, like around hot the iron, around yeah. the doorknob, and it just like, has the big M <laughs> on the doorknob. The brands oh, Joe Pesci's hand. So the doctor says second degree burns would be caused, blistering of the tissue, deep blistering. The aftermath. Awful. Yeah, he said the aftermath looks sim, uh, semi-accurate in this case. Actually, uh, decreased mobility of the hand with serious sensitivity, possibly long-term sensitivity. In this case, I don't think it, the actual scar would remain forever, as opposed to the results of third-degree burns. But some permanent color changes and immobility are distinct possibility. <laughs> and we see that we see that in Come Alone too. He had it. He still has still the burn. has it. Yeah. All right. So the bulbs and the ornaments in the foot. So Marv steps <sighs> in barefoot after he loses his shoes because it's John McClane again. It's John McClane <laughs> stepping on the shard of glass. It's the same fucking thing. So Marv uh, Daniel Stern actually stepped on these, but it was luckily sugar glass. It was uh, it was it was fake glass, and it was okay to step on, but it probably still kind of hurt. So. The diagnosis of glass would be embedded in the foot and would need to be removed piece by piece, which would prove very difficult. 
You would not be able to walk oh after this. God. And the embedded pieces would go deeper and deeper, cutting into his foot with each step. <laughs> That's so bad. Flamethrower on the head. We got this blowtorch. <laughs> Again, one of the more intricate sort of set setups that Kevin does. Like, he can't pack his suitcase. But he knows... I say again. He knows <laughs> to set a flamethrower off by opening the door and this little convoluted thing. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. I, I think I would have... That's probably the best shot in the movie <laughs> as well with Joe Pesci today. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I feel like I would have been able to buy this a little bit more if he was watching like some Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote like com- like cartoons or something. Like something silly. Lean into it. To, yeah. Like make his mind go a bit wild. But no, Kevin, <laughs> he doesn't know how to pack his suitcase. He doesn't even know where to begin. <laughs> All right, so the flamethrower in the head, this doctor said it's very serious and potentially a critical injury. His skull could melt off at the top of his head. <laughs> shit. He's an open dehydration and infection almost certainly. He stayed in there so long for some reason that he could have he could have <laughs> left much earlier. <laughs> he said the fire would have sp- spread in more than just the top of his skull would have been affected if he actually stayed there that long. And even the heat coming from the yeah. flame would have impacted the surrounding skin, you know, with his ears and his eyes, etc. If he could have possibly survived mm-hmm. this, he would have had horrible scarring. <laughs> and it's great. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little sidebar. These movies, I think are the only movie I can think of. Maybe Lethal Weapon actually. Where Joe Pesci is rocking his real hair. Oh, yeah. Because he's always losing his hair. Yeah. He usually wears like a wig and shit. Yeah. Like a toupee. And usually it's well done. But this is the only time I can remember him with his normal hair, which is like pretty much gone. He's pretty much bald on top. Yeah. And their workaround is that he's been burnt to a fucking crisp. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he doesn't have hair. Even, like even. If I'm going to be bald, there's going to be a reason. Yeah, he's he's playing the game, Joe Pesci. <laughs> he's giving you a reason. <laughs> he's not bald. He's, he's like. An actor. He's, he's some, not bald. He's like, I'm not he's still bald. not bald. If I believe it to yeah, be true, and then it's true. <laughs> he had hair even in Irishman. Crazy. <laughs> Let it go. All right, so we have tar and feathering. Joe Pesci gets tarred and feathered. The doctor said there's no serious injury here, obviously, but emotional scarring, maybe, because, I mean, who wants to be tarred It's embarrassing, yeah. It's emba- embarrassing. Again, how did Kevin rig this? But okay. <laughs> All right, we have a micro machine. <laughs> into it. That when they step on the little oh, uh, yeah. the matchbox cars or the little uh, Hot Wheels, whatever it is, whatever Kevin's playing with. Yeah, the... the- he trips yeah. and they, they both trip and fall when they run in. Pretty funny bit. The doctor says, this is actually an intense fall here. Marv is still shoeless for some reason. Because his shoes are stuck to the <laughs> Please stairs. Please remember, he's still shoeless. If he goes back to the and stairs. And the stuck as well. <laughs> yeah. If he goes back to the stairs, his feet are going to get stuck again. And he's still going to have problems trying to get into the house. So, of course, he's shoeless. Uh, but anyway. Uh, Marv is still shoeless for some reason so he probably would have potentially hurt his foot even further if, by stepping on these and he says they are clearly on the verge of paralysis at this point <laughs> <laughs> they are not going to make it the night 
paint bucket to the face. This kid should be in jail. <laughs> so Kevin paint bucket throwing so the paint funny. buckets is so funny. I love that that just comes back in the second film as well. Like they just think they're so smart that they know he's going to throw the paint buckets. I'll so get him. Right, <laughs> 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 So he says another concussion is definitely probable, uh, causing serious long-term <laughs> neurological it's damage. It's a full paint can. <laughs> yeah. Blunt force trauma to the head, broken nose, fractured skull, all possible. Epidural hematoma is a distinct concern at this point. This would knock out more than one tooth. Dental work would be needed. Tarantula on the face. This was a real tarantula, by the way. Obviously. Yeah, every time I think I'm like, if he actually scared of spider, could that would be a nightmare. <laughs> they just put it on its face. It's horrible. Do not like spiders, man. Ugh. Um, yeah. Just stay right there, Harry. Marv, what are you doing? What are you doing, Marv? <laughs> he said again, motion, probably more emotional trauma, probably not actual any harm here unless it had actually bit him and it was poisonous. But move on. Crowbar to the chest. This one's hardcore. Okay, so Marv... <laughs> Marv like sees the spider on Harry at this point and he grabs the yeah. crowbar and just like, starts like chucking Swing down blows in. on him. <laughs> so he says cracked ribs, potentially more internal bleeding could possibly even have a damaged lung. Flat lung. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a solid blow. <laughs> All right. So they fall from the tree house uh, when Kevin... <laughs> it's like more of the same everything mentioned on the previous falls they could not get out from this one expect heavy injuries possibly critical (laughs) especially with everything they've been through strain of the cervical spinal muscles possible uh would need a cervical collar for a while (laughs) jesus and dog finally the end of the fucking night they think they have Kevin God. dead to rights. And then they get a, show, a snow shovel to the skull <laughs> by old man Marley. <laughs> that would kill them. If nothing else, a shovel to the head <laughs> would for sure kill you. He said temporary blackout. Another concussion is almost assured. <laughs> Definitely not. How many concussions are we on here? They should be throwing up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> definitely now at, a, at the risk for epidermal hematoma if their night wasn't over before it would definitely end right here so they would not be able to walk into a cop car on their own volition no way they'd be incredibly lucky to even be alive <laughs> he says overall that's so funny it comes to a whopping 85 distinct injuries that the wet bandits could have you know could have gotten in this one night oh god <laughs> how did they survive I don't know <laughs> movie it's they come even, back for more it's not even the best one man the second film has one of my favorite things and it's probably because it just linked it to like a very funny memory for me like watching the second film with my dad and when Marv mm. goes to like wash his hands after like in his face after <laughs> the paint Oh, like the that. shelves of paint canisters fall on him and he's got paint all over him. And Kevin's rigged up the sink with the electric shock. And he touches the handle. He turned into a skeleton. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's so stupid. Like, it's so stupid, but it's so funny. And I remember as a kid, like, thinking it was even funnier just because how hard my dad laughed at it. Like, it made it 10 million times funnier. So now I think of that. If it's funny for so him, yeah, funny. it's really funny. <laughs> no, I mean, say what you will about, like, the second one is weaker. Apart, like, I rewatched it last year and it was not as good as I remember. But again, the ending, it's worth it for the ending. Yeah. It's still an amazing, like, montage of these two guys getting hurt. And it had my favorite bit, which is not that bit. That's also amazing. It's the bit where Kevin is throwing bricks down there. <laughs> he keeps and he Marv keep... missing Harry. And it keeps hitting Marv. And Marv is just warning Harry. And he's like, what? And he just keeps... Harry? It's just the sound of the brick. It's the lines it makes in its face. And it's each horrible. one is a concussion. I don't know. It's just, that bit really gets... Oh, man. So horrible. So it's worth it for that. Yeah. I'm glad we went through all those. <laughs> we also have like the really fun hotel staff. I mean, that's like great. And like, I, I mean, Tim Curry Tim and Rob Curry, Schneider. Rob Schneider. So fun. So fun. We love you. <laughs> so Home Alone was shot between February and May of 1990 in the Chicago area. Even the Paris airport scenes, they were shot at Chicago O'Hare International Airport. O'Hare. Of course. The famous McAllister House is located at 671 Lincoln Avenue in Winnetica, Illinois. So it's the same area where most of John Hughes' films are shot. Like all all those fucking films. Those houses that appear in the films, they're usually in the same neighborhood. And the house itself has since become a tourist attraction. And I think it sold like quite a few years ago, but for $1.5 million. which is pretty insane. Yeah, that's insane. The only interiors of the house that were used for the filming were the main staircase, the basement, and then the attic. Most of the first floor landing and all the other interiors of the house, including the ones that I mentioned that were actually used in the film, were duplicated on a soundstage to allow for more room and equipment for the crew. So, again... (sighs) Fucking John John Hughes. John Hughes. Chris Columbus. They were like tr- tr- <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles. Burning money. $100,000? <laughs> you ain't got shit. Giving you everything. No, so at this point, John Hughes, obviously, he helped produce this film and stuff. And he uh, had been running a production company, basically making films at a high school called New Trier High School in that area. And the they basically built everything in the gym and the empty like swimming pool of the former high school building that he basically just set up shop in. And uh, yeah, it was same sort That's of thing. He idea. did like uncle buck Ferris Bueller's day off. Like they filmed a lot of that shit there. So yeah, it's easy for him. All right. Music. We got to talk about the music. So originally Chris Columbus, he wanted to get Bruce Balton to score the film. But he was working on Rescuers Down Under. So just solid. Oh, solid banger. Animation. Another banger. Banger movie. So he called Great upon movie. Steven Spielberg, who was his boy that he met back in the day. Sort of like a little bit of a mentor, I would assume. And he hmm. helped him. Steven Spielberg helped him get in touch with John Williams and get him on board. And enter John Williams. I'm just going to say this here. 
top tier John Williams score, probably like up there in my top five favorite John Williams scores of all time. Probably up there with Hook. Underrated. Again, like Hook. Very underrated. Underrated John Williams score. Because people always talk, I get it. They talk about Superman, they talk about Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Jaws, E.T. Dude, this film is amazing. (laughs) The music's so good. John Williams outdid himself. Now, he did it. Now, like, I think people dismiss it when it's a Christmas movie because they're just hearing Christmas music. Yeah. And it's just assuming, oh, they're just not. But actually really well put together, really well scored. It's the sound of my Christmas youth. It, it, it's yeah. like the theme from Home Alone. Mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. Somewhere, Somewhere in my, my memory. memory yeah. the and this it introduced me to Carol of the Bells, which is one of the greatest Christmas songs ever. It's so haunting and cool and oh my god like gets me so psyched for the climate yeah like into the movie no he it's an incredible score. yeah so you had some traditional songs like oh holy night and then as you mentioned carol of the bells they're featured prominently in the film and then yeah john williams wrote somewhere in my memory which is such a brilliant song it's so good it's it just really carries throughout the film and kind of different sort of forms throughout the film yeah great soundtrack love it uh the film was released in november 1990 and went on to make 285.8 million dollars in the united states and canada and then another 190.9 million in other countries for a total of 476.7 million dollars worldwide in 1990 like (sighs) That's like more than some of those like Fast and Furious movies have been making. <laughs> like, you know, made, not the yeah. more recent and ones, but like those. those early ones, man. Jesus. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But adjusted for inflation, that's about right. That's yeah. almost like a billion dollars yes. in 1990 money. Yeah. Massive hit at the box office. And it was so successful that it stayed in cinemas well past Christmas. It stayed at number one at the box office for 12 straight weeks stayed in the top 10 until April of 1991 and ultimately had a nine month run in cinemas to be home alone became a verb in the industry by filmmakers who had films that weren't successful because a super popular film would have a really long run. So they would just be like, Oh, I got home alone. (laughs) (laughs) I would have done well, but home alone. yeah. Yeah. When it finished its run, Home Alone was ranked third of all time at the box office behind E.T. in Star Wars. Home Alone also once held a record in the Guinness Book of World Records for the highest grossing comedy of all time. And my God, it was broken by, I think, one of the Hangover films, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I'm going to close this out. The conspiracy theory of all conspiracy theories with Home Alone is that in the film, this is like in the film, when Kevin's mom, Catherine O'Hara, is standing at the airport in, uh, I think she's in New Jersey at this point, and when Gus Polinsky comes up, in the background, not only can you see the devil, John Candy, Gus Polinsky in the background, kind of like eavesdropping and watching what's going on, there's a woman behind Mm -hmm. Kevin's mom, and behind her is a man who is sort of dressed 
and a sort of blazer, and I think he has a turtleneck on, and he has a familiar face, but slightly older. It is none other than the not-dead Elvis Presley. Sure. He he didn't home alone. <laughs> and Donald Trump is president, and he didn't home alone, too. Yes. I mean, if Donald what Trump can become president, then Elvis Presley is still alive, and he was in Home Alone. Why not? There you go. Why not? Why the fuck not? It's Christmas. It's a time for miracles. It's Christmas. I don't know what I'm doing anymore, guys. Um. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay. How are we ending this? <laughs> um. <sighs> Final thought. Final thoughts. Home alone. It's a uh, good, good. <laughs> good Christmas film it's good good it's good good movie good movie yeah good watch it watch it watch it if you haven't seen it watch it yeah Home Alone's playing at the Prince Charles Cinema hopefully this week it's it's hopefully playing this week it's a good family picture bring your kids out you know bring out the family stop bringing your kids to Die Hard because that's rated 18 um so yeah oh my god dude the amount of people coming in for Die Hard, and it's like my kid, you know, fifteen, and he's very mature. That's the rating. You're not going to bend it for you. It's a legal thing. Yeah, you're breaking Sorry, the law. That, yeah, Home Alone is good. Home Alone's good. It's good. Yeah, you could it's tell. Fun film. Bring your kids yeah, to it. That, that one. Don't bring your kids to Die sure Hard. You. Uh, it's a PG, I'm sure. Yeah. For you know, because there's a little bit of PG. violence in there. Just a little bit. You know, a lot of violence. Just a little yeah. bit of violence. But no blood. No, it's fine. Uh, but yeah. Bit. I mean, we went through all the injury. You can tell your kid all the injuries and it's happening. Well, hopefully. Maturation. Concussion. Temporary paralysis. We'll hopefully be screening and we'll hopefully have a final week of Christmas at the Prince Charles Cinema. Uh, but yeah, as for next week's episode, uh, it might not come on the Monday like it normally would. Like we mentioned last week, you know, it's mm. Christmas time. I'm moving house. We're both busy. Phil's training up to be a manager, manager boy over at the cinema. We're both busy and we kind of want to have a proper holiday. So, um, Next week, we'll try to have a fun little episode for you, but it might be a couple of days later, maybe on Christmas Eve. Maybe it'll be a Christmas Eve, Christmas bonus episode. And uh, Christmas episode. then we're taking a break because uh, it's been a long eight, nine months. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> it's been a long time. I don't even know how to end episodes anymore. I'm tired of talking. Um, and I need a couple yeah. weeks off because I'm moving and I might not have proper internet connection for a week or something as well and yeah that's just how this podcast works it's all internet based uh so yeah <laughs> follow us at the pcc podcast on twitter and instagram and you can hit me up at tall for all on uh on uh twitter instagram and facebook phil where can people find you my twitter i'm at twitter i'm on twitter far away that on twitter and in real life i'll i'll be at work i'll be at the cinema i'll be you know changing your tickets if you don't like your thief <laughs> my job now um but yeah if we're open if we stay open um yeah that, that's what I'm doing where can people find you already said that they can find me at all <laughs> no no you said when they could find the podcast I said not where they all. could find you I said top for all I said oh, okay yeah, we'll say it again you can find me all at all for all T-A-L-L number four breadcrumbs we do another yeah, and we do another podcast. Breadcrumbs. Yeah, we funny. do another podcast. Yeah. 
really good. Called breadcrumbs. Uh, go check it out. It's very fun. It's silly. It's just silly stuff. It's like me and Phil just talking even more silly stuff than we normally talk about. And it's, you know, real life stuff that's not just movies. So go check it out. You know, breadcrumbs pod at Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Hit us up, guys. I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. We are, uh, yeah. Like I said, we're going to take a break in a couple weeks and, you know, we'll be be back in the new year. You know, always hit us, you know, hit us up. You can say what's up in the next couple of weeks. We'll, we'll try to say what's up back. We hope you guys have a merry, merry Christmas and a uh, happy new year. And you can uh, keep the change, you filthy animal, whatever, however. <laughs> Perfect. However it goes. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> God bless us.